Good morning and welcome to worship. Today we're blessed to see Jesus meeting up with two believers on their way home on the road to Emmaus. As he came to them and pointed them back to the scriptures, he gave them hope in the midst of their hopelessness and took away their grief and sadness. May he do the same for us as we worship him here this morning. Today's gospel reading and our sermon text this morning, Luke chapter 24, verses 13 through 35. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about all of these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing this, Jesus himself approached and began to walk along with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. He said to them, what are you talking about as you walk along? Saddened, they stopped. One of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things? he asked them. They replied, The things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Not only that, but besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Also, some women of our group amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. When they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had seen a vision, seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. He said to them, How foolish you are, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Christ have to suffer these things and to enter his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village where they were going, he acted as if he were going to travel farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, since it is almost evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he reclined at the table with them, he took the bread, blessed it, broke it, and began giving it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him. Then he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us along the road and while he was explaining the scriptures to us? They got up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those who were with them assembled together. They were saying, the Lord really has been raised. He has appeared to Simon. They themselves described what had happened along the road and how they recognized him when he broke the bread. The Gospel of our Lord. Jesus lives, the victories won. This shall be our confidence. Amen. In the name of our risen living Savior, Jesus Christ, my dear friends. Call it a senior moment, or call it a memory lapse, or just drawing a blank, but no matter what you want to call it, it's frustrating, 
and it's embarrassing. You're out and about somewhere and someone comes walking right up to you and begins speaking to you. And from the way that they're talking and the things that they're saying, it's very obvious that they know exactly who you are. But for the life of you, you can't remember who they are. And so you think to yourself, well, I I hope it's not obvious that I don't know. And you carry on the conversation, you smile and you laugh, but all the while your mind is spinning. Who is this and how do I know this person? Then maybe several hours or maybe even a couple of days later, it suddenly dawns on you, oh, that's right, that's who that is. How could I have forgotten that person? You smack yourself on the forehead. Can you imagine the seismic smack that these two believers from Emmaus must have each dealt to themselves? Looking back on the conversation they had with that stranger who joined them on the road, they thought to themselves, how did we not recognize that that was Jesus? It was late in the afternoon, that first Easter Sunday. To put it mildly, it had been a difficult few days. Not just for Cleopas and his unnamed traveling companion, but for the disciples and for all the followers of Jesus. What should have been a really happy weekend in Jerusalem, Passover weekend, turned into a living nightmare. Their Jesus was dead. And as they walked along on their way back to their home in Emmaus, they were having what I imagine was a rather lively conversation about all that had taken place. Throwing out ideas and speculation, asking each other questions but leaving them unanswered, the pain, the worry, the dread, the fear, the confusion. And what about what the women said? They told us that there was an angel inside the tomb who told us that Jesus had risen from the dead. What should we make of that? If he's risen from the dead, where is he? They weren't sure what to think. They weren't sure what to believe. And so as they headed back home to Emmaus, these two men were sad and scared and confused and disillusioned all at the same time. Their world had been turned upside down. Now they were just trudging along, wondering what they would ever do. And then this stranger catches up with them. Ask them a couple of questions, and as they start to explain things to him, your heart breaks. You can hear the pain in their voice when they explain that they can only speak about Jesus in the past tense. He was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, They crucified him. We were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel. Imagine how tragic our lives would be if we could only speak of Jesus in the past tense. They certainly didn't have a good understanding of all that Jesus had come to do. I wonder when they say we were hoping that he was going to redeem Israel, did they mean that in the political sense? We saw his mighty power, we saw the miracles he performed, we listened to his words, we had all of our hope placed in him. This is the one who can chase the Romans away and give us our national freedom back once and for all. He is going to establish this wonderful kingdom for us. But now he's dead. 
and we don't have hope any longer. Talk about being lost. At the heart of it all, what was the problem there? What was it that went wrong? I mean, how did Jesus' followers fail to anticipate that he would rise from the dead? On more than one occasion, Jesus had told them flat out that he would be betrayed into the hands of his enemies, that he would be put to death, but that he would rise on the third day. And just days before, to their shock and terror, they saw those first two things happen just as Jesus said. He was betrayed into the hands of his enemies. They nailed him to a cross, and he laid down his life. So why did they fail to remember and to believe his promise to rise again on the third day? And and for that matter, how did the religious leaders who studied the Old Testament scriptures all the time, and how did the people of Israel in general fail to understand that Jesus was the promised Messiah, the Christ? I think it was this. Because they let their own notions, their own ideas, their own logic, and their own expectations color the way that they read Scripture. And so when things didn't happen how they expected them to happen, or as they wanted them to happen, they gave up. They were hopeless. We were hoping, but now our hope is gone. You know, tragically, there are lots of people in that very same kind of a boat to this very day. There, there was a time when they had hope in Jesus. There was a time in their life when they hoped that the Lord would do this or do that for them or for one of their loved ones. Some difficulty arose in life and they expected that God, if he were this good God, this loving God, this powerful God, then he would fix the problem and follow these steps that I've laid out for him. But the Lord in his infinite wisdom chose a different path. And when it didn't jive with the people's expectation of what they thought that God should do if he really were real, well, they gave up on God. We were hoping, but we're not hoping anymore. Or maybe some people bump into some teaching of Scripture and it's just too much for them to believe, too difficult for them to swallow, or it flies in the face of their human reason or logic, and so they dismiss that teaching and really all of God's Word out of hand, and we were hoping, but we're not anymore. Or maybe it wasn't some teaching or something that went wrong as much as it was that living by faith in Jesus just, I don't know, became less and less important and seemed less and less relevant for their life in the real world. There was college, and then there was marriage, and then there were kids and the career, and then a million things to fill their schedule, and living for Jesus just got lost in the shuffle. We were hoping but now it's really not part of our life anymore. Just like these two believers, Christians, 
we are walking life's road on our way home. As we walk along, sometimes our trust in the Lord is strong. Sometimes our hope in him and his words are vibrant and evident. But then there are those times, right, when the way gets dark and cheerless, when it seems as though it is just one thing after another and life gets difficult. And like these two, when things don't happen the way that we think that they should happen or expect them to happen, we fail to see Jesus and fail to see the big picture and fail to anchor our hope in him and what he's told us in his word. We've been there where these two were. I just love verse 15. While they walked along, they're devoid of hope, they're drowning in doubt and confusion, Suddenly, we're told, Jesus himself approached and began to walk along with them. How great is that? Jesus didn't happen to just bump into them. This wasn't just a crazy coincidence. Of all the things that Jesus had on his mind and on his heart this first day back to life, Jesus knew these two were struggling. He knew that these two were left without hope and were were making their way through a time of, of fear and grief and confusion, and so he goes and finds them. How he loves us. In spite of our frequent foolish failure to trust him, in spite of the fact that our hearts have often been as slow as molasses to believe him and his words, Jesus has chosen in grace to come and walk along with you and with me on our way home. He joined himself up with you when he entered into your heart, when the Holy Spirit drew you to faith in him and connected you to Jesus and made you one of God's children. And even in those times when we have had faulty expectations of him, and even though our mistaken notions of his purpose for our life may momentarily lead us to not recognize him or to start to doubt him, he still is walking with you. He lives in your heart. He's only as far away as a prayer. He's only as far away as the pages of that Bible on your shelf. He comes to us in word and sacrament, walks along with us. By his grace, dear believer, you are walking life's road with the risen Savior. And how did he address their confusion and their doubts and their grief? How did he adjust their expectations? The same way he does for us. Luke explains in verse 27, then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. In other words, Jesus met up with them to have an impromptu Bible class with them right there on the road to Emmaus. Things weren't lining up because they weren't remembering that the Old Testament scriptures were all about Jesus. He showed them how everything written there had pointed to him and to all that had happened, his coming in the flesh, his virgin birth, his suffering and death, his crucifixion and his resurrection. It was all there. 
I wish we had the context or the exact text of, of what Jesus taught them in that little Bible study. I wish I knew exactly what parts of Scripture he pointed them to as he poured over the Old Testament with these two believers. Did he say to them, let's start back at the Garden of Eden. Remember, Adam and Eve fell into sin, and right on the heels of that, God came and promised a champion, a savior, a deliverer who would crush Satan's head even while Satan bruised his heel. Guys, that's what happened. I wonder if he would have taken them to Isaiah, or to, rather to Exodus chapter 12 and said, remember that Passover lamb and how Israel, the people of God, were saved by that blood of the lamb? That's what happened, guys. I wonder if he pointed them to that beautiful, familiar chapter in the book of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 53, and reminded them how it says there that the Lord's servant would be pierced for our transgressions, would be crushed for our iniquities, that the punishment that brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. His wounds we are healed, and showed them his hands and his side. Ring any bells, fellas? And if by chance... They were wondering about the resurrection. Was he really raised from the dead? I wonder if Jesus pointed them back to David's psalm in Psalm 16, where it says, you will not abandon me to the grave, neither will you let your holy one see decay. He gave them the word and used it to clear up their confusion and to chase away their doubts and their grief. Looking back on it all, these two believers had to admit that as Jesus opened up the scriptures to them and reminded them of all that was written, they were filled with a holy heartburn. Does your heart burn as you ponder the truths of scripture? If not, then maybe we're not properly invested. The good news of our Savior's love for us, his suffering, his death, and his triumphant resurrection, the forgiveness that he secured for us, the heaven that he promised us that is ours forever, those are the truths that make believers like us burn with passion for this Savior and his words and his promises. And I pray that just like these two believers, all of that leaves us pleading with Jesus, stay with me, Lord. Look, I know I don't deserve that. Jesus, I know that in my life I have given you every reason and then some to just keep on walking, to tell me to turn and go my own way because you're done with me after all of my sinful failures. But Lord, you are pure grace and mercy. Your love simply does not quit. And in spite of my sinful self, you desire my salvation. Stay with me, Lord. Keep walking with me, risen Savior, because without your love, I have no hope and all is lost. Friend, when the way it gets dark and cheerless in your life, when things in your life are not going as you planned or expected, when you feel as though you just can't do it for one more day, then open your eyes. Know that Jesus is walking along with you. He's the risen Savior. And because he's risen from the dead, you always have hope. When you're dealing with doubt and confusion and aren't sure what to think, open your eyes. Read your Bible. 
Feast on his word and promises. And there you will see that risen Savior who is walking with you in your life. He is the very risen Christ who vowed to you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always to the very end of the age. Because much like Cleopas and his unnamed friend, we are journeying, you and I, We're on our way home. But sometimes along the way, we bump into grief and problems and setbacks and trials and troubles. And sometimes our heads are spinning so badly that we just crave something certain in life. And we have it. There is certainty right here in the Holy Scriptures because they point us back to the vacant cross and the empty tomb. The cross is vacant because Jesus said it is finished. He gave himself for all of your sins. Your hope is in him, not in you. The empty tomb is empty because death could not hold on to Jesus and it will not hold on to you either. You will rise to live forever with this risen Christ. Certainty? We have certainty in the voice of the very stranger who happens to be our risen Savior who says to us very plainly in Revelation chapter 1, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and ever. Certainty, it isn't found in you, in what you do. Your certainty is found in Christ. We have certainty as he connects the golden strand of promises from Scripture to himself and then to you. In that way, our eyes are open once again. And we see with absolute clarity and certainty where our journey is ultimately leading us. To that Emmaus called heaven. To that wonderful, unending glory that the Savior won for us. And there, as Scripture says, in our flesh... We will see our great God and Savior. No doubts, no lapses, no fears, no confusion, no grief. Just our risen, living Savior. The very one who we will then realize had been walking with us every single step of the way, leading us and guiding us and strengthening us. What a blessing to walk through this life with our risen Savior until we're home with him in heaven. Amen.